politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to fight anew for our life, our liberty, our property, our culture, and our civilization here at CR Podcast. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, back here today for Tuesday, September 19th. And what is our country, our culture, our civilization? What is it? You know, I thought MAGA, Make America Great Again, stood for America First, a slogan I was using in writing long before Trump came around. But such a slogan was predicated on America itself and its people, if not the left, at least the supposed right, standing for godly values or at least attempting to get on the side of God and then obviously, you know, putting that first and elevating those prerogatives above certainly anything else in the world, which is the job of a government. But I'm having trouble deciphering whether MAGA now stands for make America gay again or make adultery acceptable again or generally acceptable again, if you want to add the G in there. Is that where we are? I, I have no desire to sit and talk about Trump like most other people. As you well know, my values were long set and my prerogatives uh, hinge upon things that, that are so much beyond for Trump, not Trump. But part of what we do here is give people a true compass, a due north as to what it, what it is we stand for what it is we want, both in the abstract, morally, biblical worldview principally, but also very specifically on specific policies, strategically, budget fights, state legislatures, primaries. We go through it all. So to me, when I look at the hierarchy of the news of the day, to me it's a bigger news story when you have people on the supposed right that supposedly reflect us and represent us sabotaging what we believe in, to me that's a bigger deal than watching Biden do something or the, or the media do something. So when it comes to the man himself, who, for the better or for, for worse, reflects the right and represents the right more than anyone, when he goes off on issues, that, that's a big story. That's a big, big problem. And what I'm watching is the amount of hand-wringing that is being done to accommodate this one man is so dangerous. And it's taken its toll, we don't even realize it. And it's going to outlive Trump years beyond that if we don't change what we're doing. That we now have a movement that is basically becoming, gradually becoming like the European right. Where you're just reactive to something the left does because the left is so extreme, you could always find a point that, oh, we wouldn't do that, and that's crazy. But you don't affirmatively stand for godly v values. You don't have a rudder directing you towards a righteous path. You just kind of point out the bed of the left while you yourself are steeped in most degrees of it. And then we're left with nothing. That's the European right. 
And I fear this is where we're, we're headed, where, where we just embrace all these weird podcasters, these weird elected officials that are full of homosexuality, adultery, just horrible values. You know, at some point, we need a true north. So just in a matter of a couple days, I told you I'd get to it today because yesterday we wanted to really focus on the invasion at the border. But Trump struggled to answer if a man could become a woman. He said he didn't know who awarded Fauci the presidential commendation. It was him. Or it was he. Uh, He denounced uh, the red state heartbeat bills as terrible. And then at a federal level, really indicated he's not so excited to sign a 15-week ban, which is in line with almost every European country. (laughs) Talking about Europe that's worse than Europe. Promised to compromise and appease the Democrats on abortion. Walked back to his plans to use the military against the cartels. Invented weird excuses for why he didn't keep his promise to end birthright citizenship. The lawyers told me. Said Biden is not too old to be president. Said that the mRNA shots, which I'm going to have an article out tomorrow. We have a, There is a paper out that projects 17 million people. 17 million died from the shots. Well, he said his shots saved 100 million people. Complained about not getting enough credit for COVID. I mean, dude, at, at what point, at what point do we say we believe in something? You see what I mean? If you would have some obscure Republican, some House member, some governor that maybe, you know, half a percent of people heard of saying what Trump said, all my colleagues would be, you know, they'd be going gangbusters on this guy. But when it's the man who represents you, it's dead silence. It's not a story. And those are the better ones. The worst ones start saying, well, you know, we can't all be about abortion anyway, and we need to start moving away from it. And look, I, I myself have said nuanced things on it in the sense that you can't be a leftist anti-abortion party where you're horrible on every issue and you're good only on that one thing. But part of why I said that is because you, part of my point is that you can't have an immoral, godless right that just lectures about abortion, but then often has concubines themselves that get abortions. You have to live godly values, otherwise you're not going to, the people aren't going to accept that, and rightfully so. So I want to unpack that, but I want to I make it very clear. As we try to scrape the barrel to find some sort of solution for a decadent civilization, culture, governance uh, flipped upside down, how do you even find any path to salvation coming generations into a controlled opposition where the left has been eating away at every facet of this country undeterred for so many decades. And we, and we try to come up with different solutions. Maybe you just create a sanctuary in a couple parts of the country. But at a minimum, it's got to start with God. That you have to try to, to get on his side. And God will not bless this country. I mean, this is something I grew up that all of us used to believe that called them ourselves the right. 
Judeo-Christian values that people espouse, Christian values, Jewish values in my case, but we all believed as a foundation that God will not bless a country or a movement that doesn't attempt to glorify his name. And the reality is you can have a movement that just intellectually aligns against the left on certain things when it's convenient, but ultimately lives the lives of the left. Okay, that, I, I mean, you listen to the clip of Trump, and we'll, we'll go through it from the beginning. You're going to see it's clearly not just about a certain aspect. We can say, look, you don't come in, like, obsess about rape and different aspects. you got to move the people along with you. It's very clear he, has, he, he wants to wash his hands of it. But it's not just abortion. It's the same thing with the man as a woman, the Bruce Jenner, the Rick Rinell, the celebrating gay marriage at Mar-a-Lago, the fundraising for the log cabin Republicans, Don Jr. and all of his agenda, uh, supporting Bud Light, all that. It's part of a broader theme. It's part of the Andrew Tate theme that we're saddling up to any disgusting womanizer, adulterer, as long as he said some good thing on one issue or something. All these weird podcasters that it's fine to have people adjacent as part of your tent if your movement is led by godly people. But increasingly, we exclusively have a movement that is led by people that live horrible lives, which to me, aside from, okay, DeSantis is better on abortion, he's better on the homosexual agenda, he's better on immigration, he's better on spending, he, he's better on personnel choices. We can go through all of that. He's certainly better on COVID and medical freedom. But there is something to be said about someone who himself has lived a godly life and doesn't have all this baggage that, you know, I'm not worried about a guy like Massey or Chip Roy or, or, or Ron DeSantis one minute, you know, going out and groping someone or this. I'm, but too many of the people in our movement, like, they, they don't live the proper lives. And I think you see that with the Lauren Boebert issues, the MTG issues, the frat boy issues with with with. Matt Gates, and these are some that, you know, some of these people on most issues really do fight for us intellectually, and then you got Trump's baggage. I mean, now is this time in a primary to sort this out, and then you have all these podcasters that are becoming big voices that just, they're just not who we are. Deuteronomy 28.1, and if you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commandments that I command you today... The Lord your God will set you high above the other nations on earth. But, you know, you have to believe <laughs> in the commandments. The open, opening line of Psalms, blesses the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the, in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seats of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. We need people like that. Now, obviously, you can't have people that Maybe they just live the Bible and then they're horrible politically. Like I've said before, obviously you get a guy like, you know, some of these other people I mentioned versus a Mitt Romney. Yeah, I mean, Mitt Romney is not going to fight for our prerogatives. But could we at least where we can try to get both? Okay. Because, in, because here's the deal. Trump's life and lifestyle and his way of lying and his way of acting 
is a reflection of why, ironically, we're losing on the abortion issue. And he's like, he goes and sucks on it, sp- you know, puts his saliva on it, chews out the steak. He's like, oh, spits it out. Look, I can't eat it. Well, yeah, gee, you defecated on it. You defecated on our issue. You're right. You're right. Going forward, if people like Donald Trump are the face of the abortion issue, which he doesn't want to be, to his credit, if you want to give him credit for that, it will be a losing issue. (laughs) So isn't it time we at least go forward with people that come, you know, a suburban voter will see someone like DeSantis and be like, wow, okay, at least that is someone that is trying to live up to it. Now, speaking of living up to our values, we all say we support alternatives, but then we continue donating our money in the form of our our economic decisions to companies that don't share our values. Look, email me, danielharowitz at starmail.com. What is the excuse for not switching to Patriot Mobile? Okay, there's T-Mobile, there's Verizon, there's AT&T. They're all backed by China. They're all in with the censorship agenda in particular and certainly donate to every horrible cause around. You know, they're up there with the top 50 corporations that are are destroying civilization. Patriot Mobile, they stand for godly values. They actually donate money to free speech, religious freedom causes, sanctity of life. Um, they have a 100% U.S.-based customer service team. You could call it 878-PATRIOT. Uh, use activation code CR. You could keep your number, keep your phone. It's, it's painless. PatriotMobile.com slash CR is the website. 878-PATRIOT is the English-speaking, U.S.-based customer service team, America's only American wireless provider. Make the switch today at patreonmobile.com slash CR or call 878-PATRIOT. So I want to start off with the clip here um, on abortion, just so, you know, I know a lot of you have heard it already. We're coming a little bit late into this, but let's start from the beginning, about a minute clip here of him on Meet the Press over the weekend. Mr. President, I want to give voters who are going to be weighing in on this election yeah. a very clear sense of where I think they'll, stand I on think they're all going to like me. I think both sides are going to like me. Let, let me what, but what's let Mr. going President, to have to Mr. happen President, is you're going to have to... This question, Kristen, please. you're asking me a question. What's going to happen is you're going to come up with a number of weeks or months. You're going to come up with a number that's going to make people happy. Because 92% of the Democrats don't want to see abortion after a certain period of time if a federal ban landed on your desk if you were re-elected would you sign it at 15 are you talking about a complete ban a ban at 15 weeks well people people are starting to think of 15 weeks that seems to be a number that people are talking about right now would you sign that Uh, uh, i would i would sit down with both sides and i'd negotiate something and we'll end up with peace on that issue for the first time in 52 years Uh, i'm not going to say i would or i wouldn't i mean de sanctus is willing to sign a five-week and six-week ban would you support that you think that i think what he did is a terrible thing and a terrible mistake okay folks so so here's the deal he's like Make people happy. Make people are talking. I'd sit down with both sides. We'll negotiate and make peace. It's like there's there's no fire in the belly that look the left is 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 making an industry out of killing babies. Obviously, we need to be bring people along. If he would have said things like, "Look, we can't be too extreme on it. You don't want to turn people off. Don't talk about rape." But no, it was straight up. 
I want to make it very clear. I, I myself has said that it's not worth expending your political capital, being liberal on every issue, having people like Trump, by the way, represent us on abortion, so you turn off voters, and then come in there, your first thing you're going to do is a heartbeat bill at a federal level. You have to build support for that. But that's not what we're talking about. He opposes it in red states. He's opposing it in red states. And then at a federal level, he was not asked about heartbeat. He was asked about the 15-week. And that, the polling is great. Like I said, the European countries ban it. And he was like, well, we'll sit down. And I want to make it very clear. So you have this, you know, all of his defenders like, well, you know, we just need to take back our country. We can't get involved in these moral issues. A lot of people are saying that. We need to move away from that. But there's there's a point that others are not making about this. I know you're going to hear a lot of commentary on that um, from, from both sides. But this is a point that's not being made enough. And that is, it's not just, it has nothing to do with abortion. It's the way Trump articulated it. I warned you guys before, for better or for worse, when you get Trump cornered in an interview, unlike at a rally where he has his prepared remarks, he is very honest. He will, he will blurt out what he's thinking. What you see, watch any recent Trump interview. It, it, forget about socialism, social, fiscal, personnel, any question, even immigration. His soft side comes out. Well, we like to negotiate. I want to make people happy. The lawyers told me. My people said this was not feasible. And this would be bad enough if he were never president. If he was never president. He was. He To, to, to be clear, the Trump you see in his interviews is the Trump not only that we will get as, as a president if he somehow wins a general, but that's what largely we lived through. For four years, except for where we really organized the movement to pressure him to do something righteous, and he listened. But generally, that's what it was. What is the ultimate kind of like gay, nationalist, secular, godless right um, line? It would be something like, well, who cares about that? We need to just save America. So, what? Well, fine. Okay, so we shouldn't focus on, we should embrace Bruce Jenner. We should embrace abortion. Okay, fine. So what? what should we fight? For what are we sacrificing those issues? Meaning, obviously the argument would be there's a greater cause. So at the top of that list, if not number one, certainly within the top three, would be immigration. Right? I mean, that that's what kind of spawned that movement. And look, I myself, I wrote a whole chapter in Stolen Sovereignty about, st- literally stolen sovereignty, about this anchor baby business. Trump was asked by Megyn Kelly... So this was a different interview, not Meet the Press, about why you're like, I'm going to get rid of it immediately. Well, you had four years. Why didn't you do it? I want you to take a listen here, and you're going you're gonna to hear some of the same themes you heard on the abortion answer. Let's take a, uh, about, about a minute and 40 seconds here. Take a listen. Birthright citizenship is an issue that yeah. a lot of people have raised sure. as, uh, as part of the problem. Uh, people come here, they have a baby just so they can stay. Uh, you've said that you will end it by executive order if yeah. put back in the White House. But 
putting aside the legal questions around whether that's possible. Some people say you can't do that. Some people say I, you can. Some people say you can. Um, but you made this promise back in 16, and then you didn't do it once elected. And yeah. then as president, you kept saying you were going to sign an executive order on this, and you didn't. So lawyers, why should people believe you now? Because the lawyers didn't want me to do it, because the lawyers were saying you have to go through a whole big thing all over the country. You need votes of every state and everything else. Uh, I would do it. One thing I'll say. When I look at the way Biden had just signed these executive orders on student loans and on everything, knowing that you can't do it, knowing it's going to be overturned, I'd rather get it through Congress. And we were working to get something through Congress. Uh, so crazy. Somebody comes in. If they put one foot on our land, you have to take them. They have a baby. Congratulations. The baby becomes a citizen of this country. Then they have chain migration where the baby then brings in the whole family. The whole thing is crazy. So uh, the lawyers wanted to go through and the politicians wanted to go through and get this approved through Congress and actually go through the states. That's how bad it is. Birthright citizenship. A lot of people say you have to go through states. And I'm not taking an opinion because I don't, want do this, I don't want this. I don't want them using this in court. I happen to disagree with them, and I would have done it. I was getting ready to do it, and then COVID came in, and we had bigger problems. But now you say you will sign an oh, executive I'm gonna do order. It. I will do a, an executive order, yeah, 100%. Let's talk. Okay, so he said it was the lawyers. The lawyers. So for, first of all, well, whose lawyers were they? They were your lawyers. See, one of the things anyone will tell you, and I can vouch personally DeSantis's legal team, they're the most hardcore lawyers. It, it is hard to find. A lot of these Federalist Society people on the right are just losers. But, I mean, this is another advantage he has. Trump would have, like, he would read an article and say, oh, why don't we do this? And his guys, because he, he appoints terrible people, would be like, that's not feasible. Then he says, we're going to do it different this time. But he can't point to which lawyers he had and which ones he plans to have this time that will be different. And and the point is, he didn't get it done in four years. I said, well, it was COVID, then COVID happened. This is the point. It's not a matter of even he's good on this issue, he's weak on this issue, he's good on this issue. Trump is all about, if you listen to, if you take his own words, I'm not reading into it. I want to make the people happy. The people say. A lot of people say I did a good job. People say. You know, he said I did a really good job. Christy Nome gave me a really beautiful endorsement. That's what he says. It's all about perception. So with the abortion issue, he's looking at certain things at a superficial level, and he panics. It's, I want to make it clear it's not just about abortion. It's emblematic of how he is on every issue, even the issues that he's more inclined naturally to be strong on. He panics in the face of an onslaught on policy because people think he's, he doesn't like apologize on personal insults, so that means he'll stand his ground. He doesn't. Again, because what do you need? To be quite crude here, you need brains and balls. To stand firm on policies. And those are two things. I'm sorry. When it comes to policy. He doesn't have the brains. That's for sure. And the conviction. You know. You have to really believe in something. He believes in himself. So if it's a personal tit for tat. Maybe he'll stand his ground. But an issue. You have to believe in it really strongly. 
that you're willing to drop in the polls potentially temporarily because you know you'll be vindicated in the long run. Read between the lines and you'll know exactly who I'm talking about who actually demonstrated that as a contrast. But that's the thing. He gets scared. Anything you and I want to do to dislodge the system will create a mess. It will look messy initially. You'll have a lot of adversity. Most advisors would advise against it. Look at the track record of who powered through that when he was presented with those situations and who gave in. What you're hearing from from Trump on, on, on abortion, before I get to the moral part of it, and, and the godless right, the rise of the godless right, it's important to recognize that that's, that's really COVID. It's the same mentality with COVID. Oh my gosh, the ventilators. Oh my gosh, okay. <laughs> Lockdown's the thing. I'm going to do a really good job of it. There's nothing new about that. That's kind of the GOP we always had. Go with perceived public opinion. The media asks him a question rather than punching through the premise. I don't want to say he never does that. He never uproots the premise of a question. But all too often, when he's cornered by a question, he'll throw it overboard. And that's what he's doing. Most issues, even when you're losing, it's, it, there's reasons for it. We haven't built the support. Republicans often talk about rape too much. They're not balanced. And then most of all, the moral part of it. Trump is part of the reason. I don't want to say he's the reason, but he represents that reason. It's not just about Trump. Christy Nome is this top thing. No, no one on the right is talking about it. It's not just the Daily Mail, but now the New York Post say they independently have their own sources about the um, you know, affair going on for years with Corey Lewandowski. And I, I don't like gossiping. I don't like talking about this stuff to begin with. So who you know who knows incontrovertibly what was done, what wasn't done, but I think what, what the evidence is clear, no matter what, is that it was an inappropriate relationship. And the point is, look, I understand people saying that when the left does this left and right, they don't get in trouble, so I'm not going to just throw someone overboard to the extent that we lose a seat, we lose a seat to the Democrats because we create a vacancy like in a vulnerable area. I'm not talking about all that. Or you have a general election. You have, uh, you have uh, Democrats will do immoral things. Republicans will. So it's a choice. You got to vote for one. Fine. But don't exalt it. Don't be happy with it. Because when you are, you get to a point where it's not the exception, but it's the role. Where almost all of them live lives that are indistinguishable from the left. And then you want to wonder, you wonder why vo- swing voters laugh at Republicans on abortion. It doesn't bleed over to them that you care about life. It bleeds over to them that you just want to use that over them as a political football. You don't really care about it. Like I say, because they don't have a whole life view. We've done a bunch of shows about senior care. The whole idea of how we treat seniors. Life is much bigger than just abortion. It's part of a broader point. But it's like one after another. And and, and look... Lauren Boebert is one of the 20 that stood up to McCarthy, but there's so much drama. They're all getting divorced, and MTG has all this, you know, how many marriages and 
improprieties and, and, then, and then Lauren Bober and then the two of them have a cat fight and she's dating this this gay bar owner doing all sorts of inappropriate things on camera I, I, what am I supposed to do with that it's too much we become okay with this God doesn't want that from you that it's just as long as you just get someone with an R next to their name. In other words, it's not just a matter that we need to stop electing Republicans that support green energy and support the vaccines and all that we talk about and Ukraine and whatever. But at some point, this does need to be a criteria. Shut up, Daniel. The Democrats. Yeah, but then we do it even in primaries. Now is the time to vet this out. I don't want to hear this. Trump's inevitable. All it's going to do is help the Democrats. No. We could wait a half a year. We have a primary. Let's see it through. There's no excuse. It's not like the other option is Nikki Haley or Mike Pence. You have only the most accomplished right-wing governor we've ever had on the issues of the time that on these very issues that we're talking about succeeds in articulating it. When, when Ron DeSantis goes up there... Let me let me ask you something. If you care about the abortion issue, what is it? When is it going to be more of a winning issue? When Trump is the face of it, or when a guy like DeSantis is the face of it? The results show in Florida. Republicans were getting crushed on abortion, among other things. But you know, I don't want to just hear, "Oh, well, you know, Florida is a trending red state." Yeah, but he won Palm Beach County. I, I would imagine you pull abortion in Palm Beach County, and it's not even really going to be close. It's going to be a significant majority on the other side. But, you know, again, if you're good on many other issues, you've got to be balanced. You can't be a one-trick pony, be you know, no distinction with the Democrats, no forceful contrast that you know gives the voters the impression that you're in support of of the betterment of their lives, aside for abortion. And then also, you got to live it. you got to live that life. There is something beautiful that if we become a movement, just just that alone, that that family is what represents us. But it's nonstop. And again, it's not just about the comments on abortion. You look at the whole log cabin stuff, the Bruce Jenner stuff. I've been warning this for a long time. You cannot be okay with what he's doing. There's something very sinister. It's not just, yeah, he's kind of a secular guy and obviously not very moral himself. It's worse than that. It's building a movement of a godless right. And, and, and look, let, let me be very careful here. We're living in a funny time politically where right and left has been blurred and often for the better because who needs that division? Where what we call the left, the elitist, the globalists, whatever, that are doing everything crazy, their transhumanist, anti-human agenda. It's so crazy that you have a lot of people that, you know, people like Bill Maher that we would have called just you know, decadent, horrible people that are often siding with us because it's just there's so many reasons to not side with the with, with the left. And that's fine. Politically, strategically, you need to grow a tent. But it can't be defined as its top most, you know, pure leaders by people 
who are just live horrible lives. I'm sorry, but, you know, if you're going through a divorce and you're, you know, doing, you know, premarital, extramarital stuff, maybe you ought to sit this one out and not try to be the leader of us on abortion and family values. I, I, I mean, maybe you're not helping the cause. It's happening too much. And a lot of this because we have these like kind of pseudo-populist voices that we we bring in because they say something that we agree with. You know, and then often the left wrongly accuses people. You have the whole, you know, the Kavanaugh paradigm. And we've seen it in other places where they accuse people of rape. So I understand we reflexively want to circle the wagons around anyone who's accused of things. But at the same time, we have plenty of examples of people that just they, they, they live the lives of the left. Intellectually, they might say, but the left. But this is what Europe has. It has a godless right. Now, the difference in Europe is, it's not different, it's what I see in America, but I'm saying the difference between the right and the left in Europe. The right will embrace Christianity as an identity and culturally, but they don't live biblical values. And... You know, so you'll have this just like homosexual left or or right, I mean. They live horrible lives. They act horribly. They say horrible things. But, you know, they point out crazy things, especially on the migration from Africa, different things the left is doing, then, you know, bringing in invaders. But then on a lot of issues, they're, they're the same. Eastern Europe embraced the lockdowns just like Western Europe. They don't believe in freedoms. Okay? I, I, I don't want that as our choice, but I could tell you what I'm watching with this kind of Bruce Jenner log cabin version of MAGA that is arising is this just like smash mouth politics on the media, the left, the da, 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 latest flavor of the day. But you don't have affirmative godly values that you're striving towards. Now, the problem is a lot of people are faced with this false dichotomy because until now, the only thing that has represented Christian virtue is like people like Mike Pence. So I understand why people don't want to have anything to do with a guy like that. I totally get that. But I would argue he's not pro-life. He's pro-vaccine, which kills more people than abortion. You know, and obviously he doesn't fight for our values and it's all it's all it's all an act. But, you know, let, let, let's stop with these false dichotomies. To me, more than anything, what I find so auspicious about this end is because remember my view from day one and I still harbor this view is that I, I don't see us winning back the country. I still would rather DeSantis be governor forever in Florida and almost create a de facto national divorce and and lead the election of other governors that are similar to him, which we have not yet succeeded at. We don't have a single other one. Not one. Not one. I appreciate Kim Reynolds, you know, almost quasi-endorsed again. I think that takes guts. She's not nowhere near on the same level. We need to build that movement. So I don't see much value even to him being president, honestly, in terms of what we could accomplish with this country we have, this Republican Party. We haven't even 
change the red states, much less somehow being able to control what the blue states are doing at the federal level and, and somehow navigate as president with a 90-10 liberal Senate. But I think just being the, the reflection of the right, of our movement, embodied through a person that lives like that, we haven't had that. Even Reagan had too much of a colorful past, you know, and, 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 and I think there's something to be said about actually having people like this. Again, it doesn't supersede everything. I'm not going to – you could theoretically have a Democrat that lives a family life. I'm sure there's a few. There are a few. I'm obviously not that, – that's not going to trump policy because ultimately it's a strategic decision. You're not marrying the guy. But still, it does matter. I'm sick of this. A bunch of listless vessels. We just realign our views to comport with one man or one party. No desire to ever seek objective good. And build a movement towards that. Okay, you, you want to have a lesser of two evils choice with this election? Fine, but, but don't create a movement that all we're going to have is the evil of two lessers in perpetuity. And, and it degenerates, and it gets worse and worse. That's where we're at. Let's move beyond that. Think about it. The last, who are the last two GOP nominees? Trump and Romney. The, one be, the first one bragged about being the grandfather of Obamacare before Obamacare. This one brags about vaccines saving lives when it killed millions, and that's just the opening short-term bid. None of us, none of that represents us. Let's be very clear. Look, you have a choice to make in a general election, make your choice, it's fine. But now's a primary. And even without a primary, don't be okay with that. My, my concern is you could I have no problem voting for a very flawed person when you just have a choice. But that's not you you're not who you vote for. And even within the realm of politics and public policy, there's a lot more we can do outside of a you know, general election, one presidential election. There's down the ballot. There's the issues. There's the issue advocacy, the legislatures. There's so many things we could focus on. But instead, it all becomes a reflection of that, and it shouldn't be. Stop being a listless vessel. And look, I want to give a shout-out to Dan Bongino. We've been friends for a long time. Um, we, we co-hosted some shows on WBAL a couple times together. He used to live closer to where I am in Maryland before he moved to Florida. And I know he's very close with Trump in that whole orbit. And I know the pressure that comes with it. And, and he said, look, th this abortion thing, I just, this is not who we are. We just can't do this. He's, he's got to get better on that. That's all I was asking for. Now they should all be doing that. And we need to hear that on more issues as well. But but I, I, I want to, you know, I'm always saying that what they're not doing, that is an example of, I don't even care, you want to support him, support him. But what you cannot do is permanently issue any desire to pursue objective good. And, and, and the two things you can't do that, you know, because it will undermine objective good, is to praise or ignore, accommodate, all the liberal things or immoral things Trump does and says, and ignore all the objective good things DeSantis is doing.
You could still vote for Trump, even in the primary. Whatever, you have your decision, you have your strategic decision. But but don't, don't water down what we believe in. That, and again, this is not about any one issue. It's about, number one, it's reflective of this hyper-godless secularism that has taken hold of the right. Oh, they'll talk about Merry Christmas. They'll talk about, they'll even talk about, oh, I'm reading the Bible. Tucker Carlson's reading the Bible. I don't know if you ever heard his comments on it. They're really bizarre. But, um, and then you just pal around with all these disgusting people. And then look, I mean, you're not doing God any favors by embracing in a superficial way his words, the Bible, glumming on to biblical family values in the abstract, and then living the same way as the left. Because if anything, you're turning off people that we need to convert and we need to you know, bring over to God's light. You're not going to radiate that out to agnostics. People who are agnostic about these values and then you know, eventually people that are um, have animus towards our values that you want to change their hearts and minds if you don't live those values. You can't have that. And again, I'm not saying that we need a standard that every last person, the minute they they commit adultery, they need to resign. But prospectively, could we have less of this? We're not even bothered by it. And look, I mean, it's some of these, some I can point to some people that it's I, you know it's easy to say, oh, it's, well, these are rhinos doing that, and often they are. But sometimes you have even people that will propose the legislation we want and vote the way we want and say the things we want we believe on some issues, and they live horribly. If anything, that that harms our cause even more. The closer they are to where we are, I mean, to me, the closer something is to me that's going awry, I feel the need to disassociate with it. Because I don't want it reflecting me. That's why I've always historically focused more on Republicans and the Democrats. I can't change them, nor do they reflect me, nor are they perceived as reflecting me. We got to get better. And then just to reiterate, there's the other point from from these Trump uh, clips that we played, which is I, I hear from so many people. That, okay, Daniel, you got me. His, basically, his presidency on a lot of issues, especially domestic policy, really stunk. But now that they persecuted him, went after, I mean, there's going to be no one with more motivation to come in and just listen to his own words. When you watch carefully on policy, Trump looks around for an audience and waits for consensus. Do you think he would power through a debt ceiling fight? A government shutdown fight? No, he makes it very clear we can't have that. He sounded kind of a tone on that a little bit today, waiting on the budget fight. Maybe we'll talk about that tomorrow. Unlike DeSantis, who is all in against McCarthy. You know what? You know what? Let's let's play DeSantis. This is a long clip, but it's worth playing. It's almost three minutes. He was asked about McCarthy endorsing um, Trump and saying that, you know, DeSantis is not on the same level. Take a listen here. What is your take on the fact that 
speak McCarthy now, who was leadership back then, doesn't think that you're a fit for leadership. It's not your time. <laughs> well, look, I would say, I mean, I think that if you look at what's happened with D.C. Republicans, uh, they worked uh, very closely. You know, look, Donald Trump, he supported Kevin McCarthy very strongly for speaker. I don't think he would have won the speaker vote. Donald Trump was instrumental in him earning that speaker's gavel. And they worked hand in glove, really, throughout his whole presidency. They were on the same team on every major spending bill that came down the, the pike. And they ended up together adding $7.8 trillion to our national debt. Never in a four-year period has that much been added than what they did together. And so he said that we're different. We are different because in Florida, we run budget surpluses. We've paid down almost 25% of our state's debt just since I've been governor. All the debt, all the way up for all of Florida's history, we've knocked off almost 25% of it. So it's a much different approach uh, to where we're doing it right. We have the number one rated economy in the country. We've cut taxes, we've expanded school choice, and we've delivered in a way that has uh, made the state sustainable. Uh, I am not somebody uh, who the D.C. establishment wants to see up there. There's no question about that because they know that a lot of things will be changing if I'm there. And look, I would just also point out that um, we in Florida have a right to expect uh, that they get some stuff done for us like they said they would when they campaigned because Florida was instrumental in them even having the majority to begin with. This was supposed to be a big red wave in 2022. You had probably the most favorable conditions that Republicans have had in a midterm election since 1946. People were expecting a massive tsunami because inflation was terrible, the Biden's unpopular, all the problems that we've seen. Nobody's happy with the direction of the country. And that's tailor-made for the opposition party to be able to sweep into Washington, D.C. Instead, the only way, the reason they even got the majority is because the governor candidate in New York overperformed and because we delivered a red tsunami in Florida that gave them an extra four seats. That's the story of the midterm. If you take that out, the Democrats would have held on to the House of Representatives. So Florida did its part. We showed how you can win, uh, and we want to see some results um, as a result of that. Uh, but I'm not somebody uh, who's ever going to be the favored, uh, favorite uh, of the D.C. establishment. You know what? I wear that as a badge of honor. So, folks, I mean, remember, this is a guy who voted against McCarthy before it was cool. He voted for a Freedom Caucus guy over McCarthy to become majority leader in 2015. Okay? Before it was cool. And he's right. He's like, yeah, I mean, Trump endorsed the guy. He owns him. These guys together, you know, everyone's talking about the $33 trillion in debt. We crossed the $33 trillion in debt mark. The two of them built that together. They built that. They added more debt than, than anyone in the history of the country, no matter how you run the calculations. And a lot of that was even before COVID. And then, even with Biden in charge, where it's easy, you know, to it's always easy to be righteous on spending when you have the House, but the Democrats have the presidency. Trump endorsed McCarthy. He's absolutely right that he is the reason McCarthy is there. And, you know, you had the, the debt deal. It was because of him. Trump is a softy on policy. He's a softy on personnel. 
he gets influenced. He reads the room. It's funny, the only time he won't read the room is on the vaccine. Oh, they say nice things about me. He's actually the worst guy for the time we live in. I don't understand why people don't see that. You cut through the grease. He's, he's giving you a glimpse. I myself almost bought into that. I was like, at least he got rid of Kushner this time, so maybe he'll have better personnel. And, and you watch. You watch these interviews. I dare you. Watch an interview with him. The audio doesn't do it justice. Watch his face. He really is a consensus guy. He's a guy that likes to sit around the table doing a real estate real estate deal that's what he thinks it is he he actually doesn't understand political combat you have to have guys that really believe it to their core and really understand the who's who and what's what of the issues and particularly on a legal sense like he said with birthright citizenship DeSantis is not going to have that problem because he himself is a constitutional lawyer. But his lawyers around him, like he has found the few people, heck, his campaign manager now, James Utmeyer is one of those. And that's a large degree of how he's been successful. The contrast, again, the, the two points we're making today is you need someone who will actually live the values. A, because only someone like that is going to be willing to power through a tough news cycle to, to implement something. And B, that's how you're going to convince swing voters. You have to, you can't have the, you know, live a hypocritical life. If you want the abortion issue to succeed, at a minimum, you're going to have to start with people that, that sound authentic. That's all you got is your authenticity to come to the voters to say, look, I care about the babies. And then as it relates to policy and personnel and the ability to fight and burn it down, I always hear, burn it down, burn it down. Daniel, you know what? I, I just want to burn it down. I'm like, I agree with you. But he burns us down. He actually works with the system to burn us down. He does, He's scared. He is scared to burn down the system. He doesn't have the confidence. It's kind of a, a person who's really good, you know, with riding a motorcycle. They have such a command of their balance and everything. They could do all these tricks and fly in the air and, you know, jump around. And then you have a person that's like holding on with his two hands for dear life, just even coasting on a flat ground, just doesn't feel comfortable with it. It's just not their thing. They just don't have that feel. They don't have that feel of the road. We need someone who's able to do the pop wheelie and the tricks. I mean, that's what we need now. And you're hiring a guy that's just... When it comes to policy, he's like that that rookie motorcycle rider that's just holding on for dear life. Doesn't understand it, doesn't believe it, doesn't know it. We lived through four years of that, and you watch his interviews. To his credit, like, I was getting very frustrated about all this rhetoric, and he just says anything, he'll promise anything, and he still does that. I mean, the beauty of Trump is, if you're looking to hang your hat on something to support him, you could always find another statement. So to be fair, he'll say things that are more hardcore. But the interviews, when he, because again, 
in front of a, 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 a crowd of, of his most ardent supporters, he'll say anything. But when he's in front of a reporter, he actually, to his credit, he wants to sound smart in his own way. That is his governing persona. It's what, if you want a glimpse into how he governs, watch his interviews one-on-one. And you will see a very honest look from the man. Trump, in many respects, is the ultimate conventional wisdom guy. He reflexively responds to conventional wisdom. This is not feasible. It's not done. I mean, it was the funniest thing. He would take the Mitch McConnell talking parts. We can't have a government shutdown. We can't default on the debt. Right? And, and when he was president, he took that to the next level. And he was really passionate about it, too. He believes that. He believes that. I couldn't believe that at that CNN town hall when he said, yeah, you know, just uh, who cares about the debt ceiling? Just default. Which, again, is a straw man talking point. It's a false choice, but that's how he understands it. And then when he was asked by that reporter, well, what about when you were president? You so badly wanted to avoid it at all costs and literally got zero spending in return because... He didn't even ask for it. He, if, if anything, he pressured the Freedom Caucus. They're like, dude, you can't put us in a situation. We got to just raise the debt ceiling. We can't default. He's like, well, then I was president. Like, well, then why are you saying that now? Well, now I'm not president. I mean, he was so honest about it. I, I know it takes a little nuance. I know it takes a little discernment. I know it takes a couple of brain cells to rub together. But by golly, if you are going to do this for a living... You know what I mean? Take it to the next level. You know, I'm not a doctor. I'm not an engineer. I'm not an accountant. I don't produce anything. Okay, it takes acumen, it takes knowledge, it takes skill, whether with your brain or hands, to create things. How much does the average engineer earn? I mean, there's a lot of fields, obviously, but, you know, $100,000, whatever. These guys in politics that spew crap on a podcast and earn several million dollars from all these listeners, and they say a bunch of superficial nothing. It's like, I, I understand that people don't see that. They, they, don't, they, they look at Trump's rhetoric. They look at the reaction of the left. So they, they kind of, by default, by ricochet, view him as, oh, man, he's going to fight for us. I understand that the average person doesn't see that. But the people on the right who claim to be leaders and do this for a living full time. I mean, why am I different than you? Most of you in this audience have done more remarkable things than I have in life. I've never had a real job in my life. Okay? So I figured if I'm going to do this, at least I'll do a good job and take politics, the art of politics, the amalgamation of different factors and policies and have a long historical view of the people and the players, the understanding of you know what makes outcomes successful, what doesn't, to cut beyond you know the typical Republicans that just always say what we want to hear in a primary and then never do it, to deconstruct why we have that and why Trump is is that to an nth degree. It takes more brain cells, but shouldn't this show be the baseline? of what people should put out in terms of content. Again, you guys could read the news too and comment on it. Doesn't doesn't take any skill to do that. 
It's not like these people know anything more. You know, I spend the time to be on the phone with people and do research and understand what's going on, some of the legislation, some of the issues. You know, so I take time that the average person wouldn't have because they're busy earning a living. And I know that's why you turn to this show because you want to get the truth. And I don't want to fax it in. So this should be the baseline. It's the same thing. DeSantis as governor should be the baseline. There should be nothing remarkable about anything he did. But unfortunately, it is. By the way, I have an article out from yesterday. They just certified for the state colleges an alternative to the SATs. The, the CLT. It's a classical learning. And this doesn't sound like a cool issue, but this is part of one of many things he's done to reshape the minds of the youth. Not just, okay, I'm going to oppose some bad thing, CRT, but I'm going to create a, a pipeline to have an alternative education. So all the 12 University of Florida campuses now could accept this. So now they're going to be working with these, these Christian homeschooling curriculum that they'll all, you know, those are the only people that have taken the CLT until now. It's very new, but it's designed to focus on historical texts, biblical texts, cl cl Western classics, rather than these like AI bot bizarre stories that are, if they're not left, which they usually are, are just weird and make make our kids think like a bunch of retards. I mean, all this sort of innovation. He's not perfect. There are days I wish he were more emphatic on issues here and there. But dude, look at the contrast. Take yes for an answer. Do we just want to keep saying but the left while ironically allowing the Overton window of failure to succeed move inexorably to the left and we become more like that, but a couple tranches not like them so we could have a contrast? Or do we want to break away from that and pursue objective good? That is the choice. Presidential election alone ain't, ain't going to do that. But boy, oh boy, are those two individuals a reflection of that dichotomy. What's it going to be? Well, I know where I'm going to head. The question is, will my colleagues finally find a soul and actually live the values they claim to espouse? Let me know if you disagree. Daniel Horowitz at startmail.com is the email. We'll get back to some other issues, the budget, the debt numbers, economy, um, more COVID stuff tomorrow. Um, again, if you could give us a five-star rating on iTunes so we get ahead of those empty calorie shows, it does help, especially if you leave a, a review with it, with the algorithms. We, we just need to get as many people as possible part of our movement of objective good. Until tomorrow, God bless y'all, and thank you for listening. The standoff at the border is heating up between Texas Governor Greg Abbott and the federal government. Politicians will never let a crisis go to waste. We have been invaded. The crisis is being used by Republicans as a photo op by the Democrats to expand their voting base. More than 85% of everybody reaching the border is coming in. That's the definition of an open border. Just down the road, you can get in no problem, no Humvees, no farm guards. What people don't realize is there's a way around everything. 
The Blaze Originals team traveled to the Texas border, ground zero of the most controversial news story of 2024. With some experts estimating over 4 million border crossings in 2023 alone, we embedded with the Take Our Border Back convoy to investigate. What if the entire narrative you thought you knew was a lie? Go watch the real story of Texas versus the feds and how the elites use the border crisis against us by visiting realbordercrisis.com and use code TEXAS for $30 off an annual subscription to Blaze TV.